BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. Happy Sunday morning to you all as we begin a brand new week for WWE post-Warrior Rumble 2024 as we begin the road to WrestleMania. It was quite the night last night from Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg, Florida. I'm Keela Cash and by my side as always is my co-captain, my right hand, the sometimes advocate for the recently reappearing Von Wagner. I bring to you back on The Wrap as always and crazily enough you know normally if it's a ple he's perky but today he is salty scott young welcome back salty thank you for having me keela as always it's a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things wwe uh we have a conversation coming up today so that'll that'll happen and then we'll we'll talk about the rumble and uh yeah it's uh you know it's not a perky week but uh you know the rumble wasn't bad, so that that at least worked in their favor. Then the presser happened, so here we are. But uh, you know, we'll, we'll get through the show, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get through it just like they just got through the rumble. Yeah, and they just got through the rumble. We're gonna get into the PLE momentarily, but we will be remiss if we don't talk about the lead story in WWE this week. It is not about how much money they made from their Netflix deal. What? half a half a billion dollars every year for the next 10 or maybe 20 years congrats to them but that is not the lead story a lead story that broke courtesy of the wall street journal a couple of days ago was another major lawsuit filed against vince mcmahon by janelle grant a very brave woman that came forward with her story of sexual assault rape and sex trafficking by vince mcmahon this lawsuit is graphic in detail there are text messages there are things said that i don't feel comfortable repeating on this show but if you read every page of that lawsuit filing you would understand the severity of the situation and we found ourselves in a similar matter a couple of years ago almost when the first stories of the sex for play allegations against vince cropped up which led to his first retirement from wwe in the summer of 2022 and and that did not stick as he was reinstated in control of the board back in early 2023 that alleged to sell the company by TKO Endeavor late last year. But it's really telling that it took sponsors pulling out 
of deals with WWE to say, okay, let's make the move to remove Vince from the board, remove him from all daily operations of WWE and just say, we're cutting our losses. It took sponsorship deals by Slim Jim being in jeopardy. It took another sponsorship deal by an unknown company to say, hey, you need to do something when that action should have been done the moment this lawsuit hit the press. It could have been done the exact same thing. And WWE's refusal to move day of, it's not a good look, but they handled business when they needed to. But this is still a very dark, grimy cloud that is going to be hovering over WWE for a long time. This is not going to be something that you can just cover up with press releases talking about how much money you're making via your various deals and how many tickets you're selling for your various events. This is a very serious situation. The allegations are severe. And quite frankly, I think that Vince should be excommunicated from WWE forever, banned from any building that's hosting a WWE show. And if that subpoena last year that had the feds going onto his office or into his property to search for stuff. If that leads to a federal indictment, throw his ass in prison. That's the best punishment he can possibly get. But I just want to thank Janelle Grant for stepping forward to tell her story because that's not an easy thing to do. When you've gone through what she's gone through at the hands of Vince, John Laurinaitis, Brock Lesnar, among others, it's not easy to say your truth, and she did, and I'm very proud of her for that. And if anybody else has a story to tell, do what you got to do. Step forward because it's a new day. It's a new day to let your voice be heard, to be able to just say enough is enough. And we're going to get into the presser post-Warrior Rumble that did not help the situation at all regarding Triple H's answers. But before we get to that, I want to get Scott's thoughts on the lawsuit TKO's reaction to what happened up until Friday and the future of Vince McMahon out of WWE, hopefully permanently. Yeah, it's um, it's just it's not good news. Uh, there's no way to 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 put it in. Uh, I, uh, I I didn't read the entire thing. Um, you know, I, I I saw bits and pieces, and that's that's all I needed to see. That was more than enough. I. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much on it because I, I, like I said, I didn't read it, so I don't want to give an ignorant answer. But I will say this as far as um, the Vince McMahon thing: um, I, everyone who who knows about wrestling and, and knows about WWE and is kept up with, and is probably listening to this show, knows what Vince McMahon is, knows what he's about, knows you know what he's done. So uh, none of this is surprising. Uh, it, it's it's just the when you get to the details it's just kind of like god dang how and then you start to see the pe- there's more people involved and stuff like that and there'll definitely have to be some some serious house cleaning uh got to start from the top and then work your way down to the trickle effect but uh it, it's just a, it's 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 honestly just a terrible situation and i i i think about you know obviously the victims and stuff and you know besides just the victims there's the talent who there is genuinely talent who don't know about it and are just like you're just completely overshadowing a big show that we have because you're a scumbag and um you know that that, i mean that it's not there's not much more to put besides that he he's a scumbag and this is probably you know we we keep talking about what's going to be the final nail in the coffin and 
you know, I'd, I'd like for this to be, you know, I'd like for this to be the stake that finally puts Dracula down, but that dude always finds a way. There's a reason they made a dot called the nine lives of this man. So hopefully this is the final nail in the coffin. And like you said, you know, he can be excommunicated from, you know, WWE, just period. You know, uh, you can't erase the McMahon name, but we can absolutely erase Vince from it as much as possible. So, uh, it, again, terrible situation, disgusting, whatever word you want to use for it. Um, and it's going to take a little time for that for that stench to kind of wear off. It is. And we got names of people that we knew that were part of the original scandal a couple of years ago, just about. But to hear and kind of recognize a particular person, Brock Lesnar, that was basically used to say, hey, I have someone that you can basically have your way with if you want to re-up a WWE as if it's some kind of perk, which is absolutely sick. So in that instance, I don't want anybody to get cover from this because he was supposed to be a part of the Royal Rumble and he was pulled at the last minute. So, so WWE has some sense of decorum there. But I will say this, because based on the lawsuit of Vince sharing images of this woman and saying things that are absolutely grotesque about what men could do to her and the fact that that was shared amongst staff in the corporate level from a production staff standpoint, I don't know if the pictures were shown to more talent than Brock, for example. But if you saw these pictures, if you laughed about it, if you participated in it, if you didn't do anything, you stood there and you was complicit and you co-signed and you were an enabler. Everybody's got to go. There is no grace. There is no, oh, I didn't know better. You know better. You're growing. You have been around the block for a very long time and you've seen things. So if anybody was a part of this, fire them, clean house, top down, anyone that was associated with Vince, they've got to go because you basically co-signed on his behavior for years. And what's really sad is that we've seen this play out literally on TV with him playing out his fantasies of being with younger women and having his way with them. This has been going on for decades and he's played into that on TV and he's been doing far worse in real life. But if you've seen this, if you were a part of this in any way, shape, form or fashion, they've all got to go. And if you're scared that Vince is going to burn it down, well, let him burn it down. But Please, by the way, can y'all go with them? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's as well said, spot on. And like I said, it's going it's to have to start from the top and trickle its way down uh, to, to make any serious changes in there. And uh, the presser, you know, I, I thought Cody Rose did a great job with his answer as far as, you know, the best possible answer you can give in that situation. And he answered it head on, didn't shy away from it. I thought he did a real great job with that. And uh, Triple H was real disappointing in, uh, in kind of his answer. And, a, uh, you know, I didn't like the way that he, he didn't go to a question. Uh, I, you know, uh, Cameron Hawkins asked him straight up, you know, what are you going to do going forward? Because he had just been asked about it. And he was like, I don't want to talk about it. You know, let's talk about, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Cameron followed, and I, I appreciate the fact that Cameron followed up with, you know, what are you going to do going forward? You know, what are you going to do to essentially put in place? And again, he, you know, he gave a, a, a just a, a just a, a, a pillow of an answer. He, you know, he said everything we can, but what, what does that mean? 
you know, where, where, where does that start? Where does that end? So, um, yeah, real disappointing in Triple H as far as dodging the questions, not taking them head on. But, you know, as far as uh, Cody Rose, when he said he's the guy, he showed why he's the guy. Um, he is, he's about, he's, he's, he's the guy. And that's about as good of an answer as you can get. But Triple H was uh, very disappointing in the presser. This might've been, and it's not, might've been, this was a low for Paul Levesque tonight with that presser. His answers were so disappointing. Shout out to Cam and John Alba and Thurston for asking the tough questions, being brave enough to just say straight up, Hey, your thoughts on a lawsuit, what protocols you have in place to protect women that work for your company corporately either in production or in the legal department or in the talent department any department of this company what do you intend to do to protect women to protect anybody that might be harassed and might be sexually assaulted what do you plan to do about that and he Paul Levesque basically said nothing and he was touting an amazing week. We sold out the Tropicana Field. We sold out this event. Oh, the numbers were amazing. Oh, Netflix, ten, 10 years and half a billion dollars a year. Oh, this was amazing. This was a, what a time to be a WWE fan. And those were not the answers that you should be providing because you are the public face of this company. And you've built a lot of equity with fans over the years that trusted you to steer us in a positive direction creatively. But at the same time, it is on you to take some responsibility in terms of being that public face and being able to say what needs to be said. He is your father-in-law. That is true. But you know this to be true. You know these allegations to be true because you voted him out of power. These stories leaked for a reason a couple of years ago. So you know who this man is. Stand in that truth and say what you need to say because you just can't not answer the questions, which he did. And it's just, it's just not a good look. And I hope that the questions continue because this is not going to be something that's just going to go away. It's going to continue until you get rid of everybody that was a part of this. It's going to continue. And Whatever happens to Vince is going to happen, but it was very disheartening to hear the non-answers Triple H gave during that presser last night. I do appreciate the bravery of the journalists that had the guts to ask the difficult questions that needed to be asked. And to Cody Rhodes, that is your face right there. And honestly, that was not a question that he should have been presented with because he was not in that position of power, unlike Paul Levesque. But the fact he had a better answer then the guy that's supposed to be the public face of the company said so much. So maybe one day in what, 15 years, maybe you can hand Cody Rhodes the book because at least when he's dealt with tough questions, he will actually give you an answer that you can be proud of. Yeah, I agree. All right. So <sighs> I'm just glad that we didn't do the show Thursday. Cause I would have been like really, really heated and annoyed and pissed off and frustrated still am in a lot of ways. But like I said before, I hope that TKO and Endeavor clean house top down anybody that knew about this and participated, they've got to go. I don't care about your tenure. I don't care about what you did for the company. You were complicit 
in what Vince did to Janelle Grant. And I want them to be removed from power. And hopefully that happens in due time. Even Wanda Rousey has something to say on Twitter about Bruce Pritchard. And I don't think that she's lying about that because if he's still there, that means Vince has some kind of insight into what's going on and creative. And if that's the case, cut the head off the snake to get him out of there as well, because I'm sure he knows where the bodies are buried as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he definitely he definitely do. Yes. So if more information comes out regarding the lawsuit and more news about Vince, we'll talk about it right here on The Wrap. It's another an easy conversation, but it's necessary to have these kind of talks on the show because wrestling has come a long way, but we still have a long way to go because this carny reputation, the seedy aspect of the business is still very alive and well. And people that are taking victory laps and being tribalistic about it, it's not a good look either because this industry is shitty in terms of secrets that have been buried for decades. And if your house isn't in order, I wouldn't be bragging about a damn thing right now. So be very mindful of what you say and what you do, because sometimes your secrets might be coming out in ways you didn't expect in due time as well. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. But let's move on. Despite how difficult that may be to last night's Warrior Rumble going down live from the Trop, as Michael Cole called it, Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg, Florida. Now, this is a very special venue in a lot of ways because for a time during the early days of the pandemic, the Thunderdome was home to WWE and we had those virtual fans in the Thunderdome. You had to sign up every week to be a part of the audience virtually on those big screens. And that was a way of life watching wrestling three years ago. And no one was there. And the stars had to basically rustle in silence or piped in crowd noise. That was canned. But that was the time. And in 2021, we had the Royal Rumble in an empty building for the most part. And dare I say, in terms of what we got in 2021 versus 2024, I kind of enjoyed that rumble with nobody there versus this year's show that felt kind of dry in a lot of ways. And it really comes to how the rumbles were constructed because we learned that despite the allure and the legend and the name value of the Royal Rumble, when you put the match together, of course, the top stars are going to get the pops and cheers. But at the same time, if you're not building up your mid card effectively, that's also a way to say, hmm, there's some work to be done if those reactions are not there, because I definitely felt that for both Rumble matches last night. I uh, I enjoyed the women's ro- the Rumble match quite a bit. Um, I I actually I thought that was a pretty good Rumble. 
The men's one, I I agree with you. I don't think the the men's one was that good. I, uh, you know, something just kind of felt off a little bit. Even when we got to the final two, they went for the HBK Undertaker moment. Don't, didn't quite get there. I thought they had a good moment, but it wasn't quite that. But I, I thought the women's rumble was good. It definitely had its softer moments. And you you bring up a good point about keeping uh, your women protected and keeping them strong and whatnot throughout. So that way when they come out, there's a, a bigger reaction. But I also think there's something to setting the rumble up a little bit better. Um, even though I said I enjoyed it, I, you can you can set it up better when you have those cal that tier of wrestler out there. Um, you know, normally they they bring somebody in and just have a big monster spot where somebody eliminates like eight people in a row. And Nia did that, but it wasn't really the monster spot. I thought that would have been a good spot for Jordan Grace maybe to come in later on in the middle of the rumble instead of early on. That way she could have kind of just rampaged people. But Again, I, I enjoyed the women's rumble. I thought it was a, a pretty pretty good good rumble. I like the women's rumble more upon further review, more so than the men's rumble. It was just all right for the main event. And I was cool with the winner, obviously. But yeah, just some soft spots here and there for both rumble matches. And the crowd reactions were mm, in spots as well. But let's get to the Warrior Rumble going down live at the Trop in St. Petersburg, Florida. And we kick things off with the Women's Warrior Rumble match. And we had Natalia come in at number one. And at number two, it was the returning Naomi, who just left TNA a few weeks ago and dropped the title to Jordan Grace. And that was a very lovely surprise. Great pop for Naomi. She made a return back to WWE for the first time in nearly two years since walking out alongside Mercedes Monet as they dropped those titles and said, hey, we deserve better than this. We're out. And now Naomi's back in WWE. And I thought she had a very nice showing in the Rumble, had the longest run in the Rumble in the female capacity, lasting over an hour. Yeah, I, uh, Naomi looked pretty good out there. I, th- I thought she, you know, you could tell the moment meant a lot to her. The crowd was hot for her when she came out. Um, yeah, I, again, I, this was a, a good start to the Rumble. I thought they brought good energy. Natalia seemed pretty motivated. Um, yeah, I, I, again, this good good start to it. And Naomi, I think she she seems much more much more physical with her uh, striking than she did before. There's a definitely a a raised level of physicality to her. Yes, definitely. The strikes are definitely a bit harder than before, which I like to see as well. And coming in at number three was Bailey, who actually has the record now for the longest time in a Rumble match. Coming in there, followed by Candice LeRae at number four. And Jordan Grace was a surprise coming in from TNA at number five, the Knockouts champion. And I thought that she had a great showing. She was powerhousing everybody in that match early on i thought she had a great showing and the fans knew who she was and they popped for naomi and jordan's interactions together hugged it out and then they had a strike battle which i greatly enjoy so jordan you know if there is a door being opened between tna and wwe let's pursue that because she had a great showing in this match i thought jordan i thought there's an argument to be made jordan grace might have came away looking the best from this match as far as just presentation uh at least until we get towards the end but i i thought she she came across just as a a monster and somebody not to be played with the way they want ivy niles to be you know 
portrayed as and 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 be feared that's the way i felt about jordan grace watching her out there and uh you know seeing her with those women she she's quick man she's strong and you know people you know those who watch tna we've seen her before we've seen this but to see it in that ww ring and to see the crowd react to her like that it just lets you know like they know what's going on and and she could easily uh you know, make make that same type of impact if she came to WWE. But I loved it for what it was. I thought she was presented very well, uh, much better than Mickey James was last year. Yes. Okay. So when we drop the clip for this week's episode of The Wrap, I'm looking at Scott's Abbey right now, and I spot a punk. When did this happen? <laughs> I- <laughs> So like I just started playing with the uh I just started playing with the pictures because you know I don't know what I'm doing on here. So I just started playing with it so I could maybe maybe get some different avatars and stuff. So I, I wanted to see if it worked and I guess it did. <laughs> it did because all of a sudden I'm staring at CM Punk. I'm like, okay, all right, I'm Word. digging it. You're about to see King James here in a minute. Oh, oh God. Okay, let's quickly wrap up the show before I'm traumatized. <laughs> As we have Indy Hartwell come in at number six, Asuka comes in at number seven, and Bailey was like, what are you doing here? I said I was going to do this on my own, but Asuka says I'm here to help you some way, somehow, which she did to a point. Number eight was Ivy Now. Number nine was Katana Chance. Number 10 was Bianca Belair, and she lasted for a good while in this match, and she eliminated Jordan Grace, with a sick KOD on the apron to lead to that elimination. That's a, um, you know, Jordan Grace put out a tweet that said, this isn't going to be the last you see of TNA. If there was to be a, a TNA WWE match, I think that's the one I would point to and and, and want the most. Um, because I think Jade and, 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 and Nia have something that they can take care of. And then you could go Becky, Rhea, um, but Bianca and Jordan Grace, I, I, cause I, I thought their interactions were good. Um, and I, I just think those two powerhouses going at it and being able to match each other's physicality. And I definitely think Jordan Grace probably got her in the speed aspect. I, I'd love to see that crossover if it's something that's in the works, but that KOD on the apron was, uh, was definitely nasty on the hardest yes. part of the ring. Definitely. That's a nice reminder that it is the hardest part of the ring. We got to say that at every time, anytime, anytime somebody takes a bump on the ring apron. But yes, great showing by Jordan Grace and very clever elimination by Bianca Belair. Next out was Kyrie Sane. And speaking of Kyrie Sane, once again, Bailey was like, What are you doing here? I got this on my own. But Kyrie says, I got you. Me and Oscar, we got your back. But I have to say that Kyrie getting nearly eliminated, she planted her feet on the LED screen that is basically like, you know, the ring apron unofficially. And she pressed and she tried to hold on for dear life, tried to kip up, but it was not meant to be. But that spot was very, very cool, even though she couldn't stick it for long. Yeah, she had the Kofi moment of the night uh, for both Rumbles. And very impressive. I don't know. I, I can't imagine the plan was for somebody to pick her up. But at least she at least she got stuck there. She looked like a frog hanging on for dear life. <laughs> she did definitely. The photoshops have been clever, I must say, doing the Peter Parker. Very, very clever as well. Coming in at number 12 was Tegan Knox, 13 Caden Carter, 14 Chelsea Green. Chelsea Green. 
one of my MVPs because she was the crash test dummy. She took bumps. She took hits. She got knocked down. She fell over and she sold her ass off. And I love that. So sometimes you got to pick your spots in this spot. She was basically the one taking the bumps for everyone else. And I love that for her. So she was very entertaining in this match lasted way longer than she did last year, but (laughs) the way she was utilized in this match was pretty clever. Yeah. She, uh, it seemed like she had to take every single bump that happened, but uh, <laughs> it was, yeah, she, uh, she definitely was the, she was a highlight for sure. And we've talked about it on the show. She might be on the low, one of triple H's best rehires uh, so far, but yeah, she was great. Uh, enjoyed, enjoyed what she brought to the table. And I liked the way she came in because, you know, she had the record. And then at first she kept going over the top and she was like, I'm not going, I'm not going. And she said, you know, five seconds and all that. So, it was, yeah, she she definitely did her thing. Yes. As I'm now talking to Jordan Grace, courtesy of the rap. So Scott's having a fun time with the pictures, which I greatly appreciate as we get to our next entry. Piper Nevin at 15, Zia Lee at 16, Zelina Vega at 17, Maxine Dupree at 18. So allow me to be very blunt and honest about Maxine Dupree. Here we go. I like Maxine Dupree. I think that she's very entertaining in Alpha Academy. She's had moments in the ring when she has been solid. And there have been moments in the ring when she has been bad. Dear God in heaven, last night she was really bad. And when you're bad against Bailey one of the finest ring generals you will ever work with, when you botch everything that you're doing together, every head scissor is a fail. The running the ropes is bad. Everything Maxine did in this match was really bad and clumsy. First move was a botch. And thankfully, she was eliminated quickly, but this was not a good night for Maxine Dupree and Bailey tried her best, but this is a reminder that Maxine has a long, long way to go. I encourage her, go to the PC, get your reps in during the week because this was really, really bad. Yeah. Um, and, and this, this is where I think you could have sprinkled in a couple. I feel like there's some, somebody else could have been, somebody else was available. Somebody, Somebody else didn't have something to do. Like Michelle McCool been around the last t- six rumbles. Where she where she was at? She won in the crowd this year. No, right? that's normally where she at waiting to get the call. Um, Melina, she mad because because she ain't got nobody to do the splits with her. Nobody, you know, she got pissed off because uh, Sasha did the splits, so she ain't coming back, huh? What's going on? Somebody could have filled that spot. Yes, and speaking of legends, not a legend to be found in this women's warrior rumble for the first time. Ever. So it was basically a reliance on the main roster and NXT outside of Jordan Grace being the TNA representative for the ladies. But yeah, somebody could have been in that spot that could work better than she did. I like Maxine, I do, but this was not a great showing at all. And Bailey tried her best, but Lord, it was a struggle bus. As we get to Nia Jax coming in at number 19, Nia was dominant in this rumble. No 11 people were going to toss her this year. She was a force to be reckoned with as Chassie comes in at 21. Becky Lynch comes in at number 21. 
Abba Fire comes in at number 22. Shayna Baszler comes in at number 23. Valhalla comes in at number 24. Meechin comes in at number 25. Zori Stark comes in at number 26. Roxanne Perez comes in at number 27. And then number 28. We have waited for this debut for quite some time. And we have arrived. A storm is coming. Jade Cargill has debuted in WWE. And what a debut. What an entrance. She looks amazing. The music is pretty much what she had in AEW. And the fans knew exactly who she was. And it was a confrontation with Nia and Jade Cargill. And that stare down resulted in Jade Cargill lifting up Nia Jax. And she flexed on Nia while holding her up, dropped her, and then she eliminated her from the Warrior Rumble. And even Becky Lynch had to stand in awe of Jay Cargill, night one in WWE officially, eliminating Nia Jax with the greatest of ease. Before that, I, uh, you know, I talked about that I enjoyed this Rumble a lot. I thought the energy in the entire Rumble match, I thought the entire thing picked up once Becky Lynch came out. I thought, you know, it, it felt like, okay, now now the rumble begins because you had Becky and Nia in there. Nia and, and Piper were doing their things, kind of running wild on stuff. We were getting the comedy spots with Chelsea up to that point. Becky came out. You know, Bianca was already out there. So now now we're getting some stars to come out there. Now we're getting things actually happen. You mentioned Jade, man. You know, when she's walking down the ramp, you can see the emotion on her face. You can tell she's holding that in, like she's holding back, cause she knows her. She got to keep that that whole persona, cause she 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 is Superwoman, man. Like she is a a literal goddess. Just watching her walk to the ring like that, that 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 confidence, that swag, just everything about her. It, it was worth the wait, man. I, I thought she looked great out there. She was fantastic. The the face offs we got were incredible. Um, when we got Black Magic in the ring together, face off, that was something special. Uh, and, you, and the crowd was like, "Yeah, let me get that." So, um, you know, Jade's got, and even there was a little bit with Jade and Becky when they did have a little bit of their face off. So there, there's, there's a lot of different ways you could go with Jade. Even the ending, you know, when we get to the end of how she was eliminated, there's something you can do there. What brand is she going to be on? There's still a lot of questions and a lot of cat and mouse games that can be played so uh love what they did with jade love the introduction and uh this is when i thought the the match really i mean we talk about jade she eliminated nia Jax. let's also talk about she then she goes and and knocks naomi and becky lynch out back to back i mean big moments coming from jade cargill it was a great debut for jade i thought that she looked great and she really soaked in the moment the fans Loved her. She was a superstar, what we expected her to be in WWE when she when she debuted. The perfect debut spot was at the Warrior Rumble. And the best elimination was her getting rid of Nia Jackson. At first, I thought, Becky, you in danger, girl, because Jay was looking at you like, I got you next. But 
I just loved everything that Jade did. She was just great out there. And yes, we got that brief interaction with her and Bianca Belair. We know that is where the money resides for a future matchup down the road. The fans were excited about it. And WWE was very deliberate to say, no, you're not going to touch yet. That's going to be a moment for down the road when we can do it at a WrestleMania or another big four or five PLE event. But yeah, Jade was outstanding in this match. Coming in at number 29 was Tiffany Stratton from NXT. Another great debut for her. Comes through with the Santon onto everyone in the ring. Looked good in this match as well. And her and Bianca Belair, their interactions were good as well. So that is something I'm looking forward to down the road. Of course, Tiffany and Becky got into it for a bit to play into their rivalry on NXT. XT last year, but Tiffany and Bianca and Tiff grabbing to avoid elimination. I love that. So off top, I'm here for it. I'm here for Tiffany and Bianca down the road as well in the next year or two, because I believe that could be special as well. Yeah. And uh, the key ingredient there is Bianca Belair. So, you know, she, she is the, the glue for all of this. She's the ultimate baby face. Uh, because Jade, uh, you know, Jade and Tiffany's going to be a heel. Jade, she could be a babyface too, but she's going to get her money as a heel. But Bianca's going to be the key is that, that ultimate babyface who, uh, you can always root for. And she's the, you know, she's the, the, the synonymous figure in everything that you mentioned, all those matchups. So yeah, I, I, uh, the debut was great. Uh, Bianca Belair just reminded people that, Hey, I'm still probably the biggest name y'all got here. So don't forget about me. But the uh, the potential face-offs and the matchups we got, very intriguing. The women's division seems, at least the top of the women's division, seems to be on the come-up for WrestleMania season. Definitely. We're going to get to the end of the match shortly and the body of the Rumble as a whole. But now it's time to announce number 30. And number 30 is a precarious spot sometimes because you hope it's a great surprise. You hope it's somebody that you missed for a long time. Maybe you expected a shocker, a stunner, and... I said, we said for a while, like this would be the show that would end all speculation as to where Mercedes could be going. If she's not going to be on this show, I would say for certainty she's AEW bound. And sure enough, out of number 30 was Scott's pick to win the Royal Rumble, Liv Morgan. And I'm sure she got like a mixed reaction because people thought it was going to be Mercedes. But no, sorry. Hey. It is what it is, but I was very happy to see Liv back from injury. She got in the ring. She was in the final three once again this year. And once again, they teased her winning the entire thing. And then it wasn't meant to be, but she got a key elimination by getting rid of Jay Cargill. And then it was Tiffany. It was Liv. It was Bailey. And Bailey was the one to stand tall to win the 2024 Women's Warrior Rumble. She is truly a Grand Slam champion in every sense. She's won everything there is to win in WWE, NXT Women's Championship, Raw Women's Championship, SmackDown Women's Championship, Tag Team Titles, Miss Money in the Bank in 2019, and now she is a Royal Rumble winner. She is selfless as a performer. She's given so much, and now she gets the right to be in a marquee match, a singles match at WrestleMania, vying for the championship of her choice. And I got the feeling we're going to go back in time to WrestleMania season back in 05 when 
EO Sky would want Bailey to pick Rhea Ripley, but Bailey will actually pick EO instead because, hey, I can prove I can beat you, even though we're all still in this damage control thing. Yeah, Liv was a nice, nice, uh, nice come out at 30, ended up being runner up second year in a row. So she's, uh, she's got to be due here soon. Um, it's good, good, and the, the endings part I thought was really good, really, really frantic. Um, Liv hitting her finisher off the apron, Bailey coming out. The crowd was hot for Bailey as well, and uh, yeah, this is a big moment for Bailey, well deserved. She's going to get her her main event moment, and uh, I look forward to the match her and EO are are going to have, and how the eventual turn happens, and who she uh, may get to align with her because she's obviously got to have some backup to take on Damage Control, but. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for the match between her and EO. Me too as well. And for the ratings here, Nia Jax eliminated eight ladies in the Rumble. Bailey eliminated seven. So those are our top two finishers here in terms of who eliminated the most in the Royal Rumble match for the ladies. Now, I will say this was my favorite Rumble match of the night. I thought that the final 15 minutes was very good once Jade came out there, but Becky definitely upped the star power. But I will say that the middle portion of the Rumble and the people that were in that position, they're cold. And I think that I think that's something that WWE really needs to hone in on to really elevate their mid-card scene to get them more over because those crowd reactions were very, very soft. And that's telling because, listen, top level stars, they're going to get that reaction. Lower level stars, the fans don't care. And I felt that for a lot of this rumble into the star power came out there down the stretch. Yeah, the middle had definitely had a bit of a lull. It did. So, on a scale, Scott, of your tears, how many do you give the Royal Rumble for the ladies? I, I really, I enjoyed the Rumble, so I'm going to give it three and three-quarter tears. I'm going to go three and a half tears. You know, I looked at both Rumbles, and I thought this one was better in terms of what happened at the end, and I'm very happy for Bailey. It made sense. She was a favorite coming into this match, and sure enough, she handled business, which is a very good to see. So all in all, very good match. You know, it was a little rough going early on, but down the stretch, it was very good. So I really appreciated the action and the effort put in to make this match better and not relying on legends, which was an added bonus. And that seemed to be the theme of the night, which is good. Yes, good for directions to rely on who you have instead of making calls on the outside. As we move on to our next match, which is a rarity for Roman Reigns to not main event a PLE. So he defended his Universal Championship against AJ Styles, Randy Orton, and LA Knight in a fatal four-way match. And I thought this match was solid. You know, the outcome is academic. Roman was not going to lose, but you had a lot of teases with LA Knight hitting his finisher, Randy hitting RKO's and everybody, Styles having his moment to shine as well. But I never doubted for a second that Roman was going to win. He had to win because it's been that way for three and a half years. Yeah, I actually thought this was one of his better matches. I thought they kept a good frantic pace when a lot of when rest holds going on, you know, it was just a lot of movement. Um, though Roman was it was always a foregone conclusion who was gonna win the match. I thought they did a good job at the end of uh, you know, giving giving the other guys some opportunities. Like I like the the idea of, of Roman getting stacked 
and AJ Styles. You know, it's like I thought I like that idea, especially the way he's been stacking people when he does the multi matches. Um, I like the way they presented LA Knight. He came in and really I thought did a good job, had a good showing, had some strong athletic moves going on. Randy Jordan got the clear house with RKOs. Um, I appreciate the fact that Roman protect actually they all protect the RKO. Nobody's kicking out of the RKO. People are saving them from the RKO. Um, the solo thing, the black hoodie, that's, you know, the, at some point, at some point, there will be a baby face who's going to um, decide he's going to be smart and just be like, can somebody just wait on solo to walk out and just have a chair and hit him? At some point, that's going to happen. But uh, until then, we're going to get black hoodie popping up every now and then. But I, I, I thought the match was fine. You know, the match... Three tiers for me for this match. Um, yeah, three and a quarter. Three and a quarter tiers for me for this match because I thought the energy was pretty good. And uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to go three and a half. Stopping there. Three and a half. I enjoyed it. A lot of RKOs. Um, yeah, good match. Is that your final answer? Three yeah, and a half yeah, that, tiers? That's it. That's it. Not going okay. no higher. I'm not taking no tiers away. I'm, I'm sticking with it. Three and a half. Unless okay. you talk me out of it. I'm not going to talk you out of it. You are entitled to your star and tier opinions on this. And I think that you're right on the money. I'm going to go about three and a quarter tiers for this match. I thought Randy Orton was a star for me. He was the one that got the biggest reaction. The RKO's got over in a big way. And all of them did not come out of nowhere for the most part. They all saw them coming, especially AJ Styles and Roman Reigns hit Spion Styles for the win. And expected we had the tease of the stack and pin spot from wrestlemania a few years ago in tampa bay with daniel bryan and edge and that was not happening because both guys shoulders were down so roman could not make the pin but then we had aj styles the phenomenal farm let me drop <laughs> roman on top of these guys let me get the stack pin and that backfired on him as well but i really love the creativity of this match different from Roman being in this 15 minute slog fest and slowing things down. The flow is pretty good throughout and as expected solo comes through at this point, dude, if it's like a no DQ situation, why are you wearing a fucking hoodie? Why are you concealing yourself? Like it's not a mystery of who you are. Just come out there, wreck shop, cause trouble and be done with it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if I'm if I'm challenging Roman next, which is you know we'll get to who that is, but if I'm challenging Roman next, I'm probably gonna give a call and and, and make a payment to Pete Dunn. We know he likes to break fingers, and I think the easiest way to take care of Solo is just to well, it's not a technically a finger, but the easiest way to do is just break his thumb, um, snap it to the left, snap it to the right, but it's definitely got to get snapped and popped out of place, and then I think you got a much better chance of winning your match because he does the thumb with the left hand. You ain't never you ain't never seen that man thumb nobody with his left hand. He ain't been to the left side of the basketball court all game. Look at you doing the thumb examinations. He ain't got no left. Oh my gosh. <sighs> I tell you. But still, better than usual. Gotta give that for gotta give that for Roman. Better than usual. And you know. I'm just ready for this to be over. I love Roman. I've enjoyed this reign. And Michael Cole asked the proper question at the end of the Warrior Rumble, which we'll get to shortly. 
But before we get to our semi main event, I do want to talk about the Warrior Rumble presentation. And that goes for several WWE shows as of late. And we got this new guy, Lee Fitting, who's in charge of the production for WWE television. And you see that via how the stars come in, like the NBA and NFL players as they enter the arena or the stadium and their fits and they walk down and the cameras catch them. I like that. And then we have like the scenic view of the building, of the city, of the arena, of the stadium, of the place where this event is taking place at which i like because i want to see where the show is and one of my major critiques for aew was when they were at arthur ash stadium in new york in that it's a beautiful facility showcase where you are showcase the building on the outside and just give a full scope of what this means in terms of this is a special place this is a special show and i've and I think the WWE is on a great job as of late showcasing the city and the building in which they're in to really give fans that sports like excitement. And you see that across the NFL and the NBA, you get that visual of the outside of fans going to the building and just saying, this is where we are. It's the tone perfectly. And it gives WWE that authentic sports feel presentation. So in regards to that, I like that change in production since his arrival in WWE a few weeks ago. Yeah, you could definitely tell somebody took the boot when it comes to the production because uh, things have been changing. Graphics have been getting sweeter. Uh, another little thing I liked was the uh, from the the Rumble matches we didn't talk about in the women's match, but uh, was uh, since you're talking about presentation, the, uh, the the timer they gave like the the top three times of who's been in the Rumble the longest, so that was cool. But yeah, the uh, the presentation is definitely taking a nice leg up. Yeah, I love the ticker too. Like, here's the top three people with most time in the Rumble. If you've been in there after the most recent person, I was out. Now you're the leader. I like that. I like numbers and stats being used for this purpose. And I do like this sports field professional presentation for these events. And therefore, thank God Kevin Dunn is gone because we would not have gotten that before. <laughs> We wouldn't, not only would we have gotten it, we would have gotten 55,000 camera cuts. <laughs> Jay Cargill's entrance would have been in 55 different gifts. <laughs> You're right. And she would have been like 55 cuts spliced together. I'm so glad he's gone for many reasons. That being the top of, of the list for being just a terrible production dude for a very long time. So peace out. Leave fitting. Good job. I know why you got Lego VSPN because you try to give out fake Emmys, but hey, you're a good producer. I'll give you that. Just saying. So let's move on to now the semi-main event of the Warrior Rumble for the United States Championship. It was Logan Paul versus Kevin Owens. And I thought this was Logan Paul's best match since his battle against Roman Reigns at Crown Jewel. Over a year ago, I thought that Kevin Owens says, oh, you're going to work today. This is going to be substance more so than style. This is not going to be about a highlight reel of hops. This is going to be about me whooping your ass and you taking these hits and you being able to deliver them back to me. And I thought they worked great together. The chemistry was there. 
The fans were into it, told a great story. And I thought that Logan Paul looked really good in this match. Like this was a wrestling match. It wasn't about the spots. I thought that was what made this match stand out because I think the last few times it was all about Flash. And I love Seth. I love Ricochet. But I think that Logan was trying to be too ambitious. And I think this was a grounding match to really get back to basics of what makes him special. And that is the notes between what he does in the moveset. Yeah, I think you enjoyed this match much more than I did. I uh, It was fine. It was okay. I thought it had some some good moments to it. But as far as just the, the match itself, it, it didn't set the world on fire for me. I thought uh, Logan Paul, I thought he did his thing. I thought Kevin Owens did his thing. I really enjoyed the, the whole thing about uh, uh, um, Corey Graves telling Logan Paul, you know, you're not gonna be able to suplex Kevin Owens, and then, you know, he he was like, "Hey, you pointed to my, hey, you said I can't do it. Watch this," and then Kevin Owens just drops that man. So I, uh, yeah, I, I thought that aspect was good, but I, I it, the match was good. I just, I don't even know if I, it, it, yeah, I guess it'd have to make his top five, but I definitely wouldn't be his top three for me. It's top five for sure. Now, I'm not going to be sitting here and tell you like, oh, this match was like, oh, my God, amazing, because the finish sucked. Let's be very honest mm-hmm. about that. I like mm-hmm. the body of the match. That was great. The finish was bad because we got this random ass dude trying to smuggle some brass knucks to Logan Paul. And these fucking officials, these security guard people took forever to remove the skinny dude out of the building. And it was a stalling tactic that took forever until until Austin Theory and Grayson Waller came out there. And then Austin Theory snuck the knucks to Logan Paul. Logan Paul tried to knock out KO and then KO intercepted him took the knucks, knocked him out, and then Kevin Owens, who is supposed to be experienced, who is supposed to be wily as a veteran, who has done very bad things as a wrestler, as a heel over the decades, and he forgot to take off the brass knucks. He goes for the cover, lifts his hand up, and the referee sees the knucks, and he says, you know what, Kevin? I cannot count. One, two, three. I have to disqualify you because you cheated and the fans are pissed. I'm pissed. What a weak sauce finish. And then KO goes off and he power bombs Logan Paul through the announce table. And this feud must continue. And I'm not mad about it because I think they can have even a better match with higher stakes, possibly elimination chamber next month in Australia, maybe even WrestleMania if they choose to run it back in Philadelphia. But the, the finish of this match left a lot to be desired. I thought it was an overprotection of Logan Paul, in all honesty. And he did not need that kind of protection at the end of the day. Yeah, uh, three and a half tiers for me. Match was fine. Um, Yeah, the finish was wonky. The referee all of a sudden got eagle-eyed. But, (laughs) I I mean, like, they missed everything. But he saw that. He saw them little brat because I ain't even see him until he pointed him out. So, uh, I guess good eyes. And, uh, yeah, you know, they'll save it for a bigger moment. I I hope it's not KO that beats him. Like, I I think this is is L.A. Knight. I think L.A. Knight could, him and, and Logan, him beating Logan Paul would work into him being the megastar and uh, I, that fits that whole persona of Logan Paul being the megastar and, Lo- and LA Knight saying he's the megastar. And that could be that whole storyline right there. Um, 
I, I fully expecting Grayson Wall to challenge Logan Paul at Perth. But I, I the match again, the match was good, three and a half tiers. Um I, I but let me say this though. Logan Paul is fantastic. He he does what he's supposed to do. He takes his lumpness because Kevin Owens was laying up things in, but the match was real good. Yes, really good. Questionable finish and everything, but hey, I enjoyed the match for what it was. And hey, I want to see him win it back with less shenanigans this time around. And ooh, I see some breaking news. We'll get to that a little bit later. As we get to our main event, the final match of the night, which is the men's Warrior Rumble match. 30 men enter. Only one will leave as the winner and will main event WrestleMania 40 against the champion of his choosing. And the first two men in were Jey Uso. Day one. You know what that means. And then we got Jimmy Uso coming in at number two to play into their history of them beefing. And I thought that was a very clever way to start the rumble. Yeah, good, good way to do it. Smart way to do it. Uh, give them some interaction. And I was a little disappointed that we didn't, you know, get like a, a dual, you know, a couple of team ups just out of them being in the ring together. But um, I, I did enjoy the fact that they were the first two and the face off was very well done. Yes, agreed. Number three was Grayson Waller. Number four was an returning Andrade. Crowd reaction was so-so. Nah, you know, I'm sure they didn't even know who he was under the mask, so there's that. But I thought the mask was dope, too, by the way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they'll give him some time. I, I I, look forward to Zelina Vega slapping the piss out of LWO and, and joining back up with him and them uh, reforming, the, the, you know, what they had special there. And the way Triple H talked about him at the presser, I, I do think he probably does have some plans for him. So I, I look forward to what he's bringing to the table. Me too. I think that's going to take a little bit of time. Maybe people didn't know who he was because the mask is that fly and the music was unfamiliar. But I think that this LWO Legato feud, oh, it's going to be popping. Electra Lopez, Santos, after a year, picked her up at the NXT parking lot. She's a part of the crew now. And I thought that she looked really good on NXT this week, talking her shit to Lola Vice and then taking out Zelina Vega on SmackDown before the Rumble. So I like the thoughts of what could be going on regarding faction wars with Legato and the LWO, even though Andrade's return via the Rumble was a little bit underwhelming in terms of crowd reaction. As we get to number five, Carmelo Hayes from NXT making his Warrior Rumble debut. He's been on the main roster a few times lately working on SmackDown. And you can see, like, this guy is going to be a big-time star in WWE because he has not missed in terms of presentation. And WWE's done a very good job presenting him on their main roster show so far. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think uh, I think Carmelo Hayes is about it. Carmelo Hayes is, is, is a trick Williams becoming good at wrestling away from being lapped. You know what? I love Melo, and I'm not saying that you're wrong, but I will say that SmackDown the night before. You heard that reaction. I heard that reaction. And Trick Williams has never been on the main roster. His music hits 
that entire arena is chanting whoop that trick in unison. So they know Trick Williams. They know he's a star. And I love Mello. I love Mello. But as you said, Trick is about a year from being great in the ring to yes, he will lap mellow you are not wrong because i heard that reaction and i was stunned because whoa yeah this isn't just a performance center thing this isn't a ple thing when they're outside of florida this is we're on the main roster and they know who trick is and they see a star and Corey's reaction on commentary tell me he's letting them know like yeah tricks got next give him another year for seasoning in the ring because this oh yeah I see it. Yeah, trick trick is ready. He 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 coming. He coming very quickly. Mm-hmm. Pause. Yes, yes, yes. So next up is Trisky Nakamura coming in at number six. Santos Escobar coming in at number seven. Karrion Cross coming in at number eight. Number nine, who gets a lot of heat? Dirty Dominic Mysterio. Number 10, Carlito. Number 11, Bobby Lashley, who goes on a spearing spree, eliminates Karrion Cross, and then a Karrion Cross eliminates Bobby Lashley. Then we have AOP and Cross jump Bobby, and the Street Profits come out there to make the save. But to deprive me of Montez Ford being in this rumble, it's egregious. Ah, uh, you know, who? It, I, I didn't even notice. To be honest with you, I know and that's sad. Not what I didn't notice. I know, that, that, but I didn't even notice. You know, this time last year, I was excited about Montez being in the elimination chamber, and it's staggering to me. And I got to look at Paul Levesque. Like this guy had a standout performance. In Montreal. And since that time, a singles push has not materialized. Help me understand. Yeah, he'll let you understand that as soon as he gives you uh, Liv Morgan's explanation. Yes. And if he can explain other things as well. And that might be a long wait. Sad but true. And here you go with that lift shot. I've given up, Scott. I don't care anymore. Now, I, I just, I've coped and I've learned to accept that she won't tell me why she went hardcore, but I digress. His number 12 is Ludwig Kaiser. And I liked him being just offended about him being around all of this fighting amongst the Street Profits and Bobby and carrying across his new crew. Then at number 13, Austin Theory. Number 14, Finn Balor. Number 15, the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes, and the star power kind of picked up from there. Number 16 was Bronson Reed. Number 17 was Kofi Kingston. And he's been a part of 16 Warrior Rumbles, second behind Kane. But, dude, I got to say, like for years, Kofi was a highlight in the Warrior Rumble matches. He would have clever near eliminations to save himself. This year, zero effort, and his performance in the Rumble was pretty damn unremarkable. Yeah, not a lot to show for it. No, no, Xavier Woods, just Kofi representing the new day. And, uh, yeah, nothing. He just, he was just a body. Just a body. I, it's a sad state. So Kyrie had to pick up the mantle this year and say, I got you. I couldn't save myself completely, but I tried. It's like, wow, we have truly fallen, truly, truly fallen. As we get to our next entrant, Gunther, who entered number one last year. And the final two were Cody Rhodes, and he had another great showing in this match. Number 19 was Ivar. 
Number 20 was Braun Breaker. Braun Breaker. I know the fans might not be familiar with his work, but his work was really good for the time he had. And I think that he is going to get called up. I think the time has come. He did an interview backstage and he says the main roster is now my home. It might be Monday Night Raw bound. I am going to miss my wolf dogs on NXT, but it is time. It is time for Braun to move on up. This man's speed is incredible. And if people don't know who he is, oh, they will in due time and he will win them over because he is a star. And the ascension now begins for when Braun Breaker is going to be main eventing at WrestleMania in the next two to three years. Yeah, he's uh he's ready. He looked primed out there. Uh, you know, we talked about he's wasting away back in, in NXT. I love what he's doing with Baron Corbin, but this is this is definitely where he belongs. Uh, you know, they I think the commentators were were intentional of not mentioning that Braun Breaker is the last person to to beat um, to beat Gunther, especially when they had that face off. So I think that was intentional because you could absolutely call him up and, and have him beat Gunther, and that's a hell of a way to debut as well. So I uh, loved what they did with Braun. Me too. Great presentation. I presume that was the spot that Brock was going to be in, but for obvious reasons, he was pulled from this show and hopefully there'll be more accountability on that in the weeks to come. Number 21 is Scott Sky Omos coming out to not do very much. And then number 22, I love Pat McAfee. I do. He was on commentary for all of this show. He was called in at number 22. He was not dressed to compete in a Warrior Rumble match based on what he had on, and he eliminated himself. And I said to myself, really? You you couldn't get tricked in this spot, but you got Pat McAfee. Okay. I mean, it's Trick, Xavier, um, Dijak. And I, honestly, I, honestly, I was thinking now would be a good time to actually have Dolph Ziggler show up. You know, he's TNA bound. You just had Jordan Grace show up. He's somebody that the crowd would be familiar with. He can be adept in all TNA gear. I think it would have worked perfectly. You could even have him be Nick Nemeth, whatever you want to do. But they instead had Pat just walk in the ring, walk out. He couldn't take a bump. He didn't want to take a bump. So there's that. Yeah, I'm just curious, and I love Pat, but yeah, that was definitely a choice. So coming in at number 23 was J.D. McDonough. Number 24 was R-Truth. R-Truth tried to get in the Women's Warrior Rumble, and Nia Jax had to chase him down, and they tend to have that history together from a few years ago. And R-Truth, you know, he's very funny as a part of the Judgment Day. The comedy is hit and miss sometimes. This was funny, though. He tries to make a hot tag in a Warrior Rumble match, and Dom does make the hot tag, but R-Truth is very entertaining, but he is quickly taken out by not The Miz, who comes in at number 25, but Damian Priest, who comes in at number 26, followed by number 27, CM Punk, number 28, Ricochet, number 29, Drew McIntyre, and number 30 is not Dwayne The Rock Johnson, thank God. It was Sami Zayn. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he got a good reaction. I think they were smart to have the right people in these 30 spots to make sure they didn't get booed like Rey Mysterio. Um, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I was – that's why I said the Rumble was fine. I think they, they were missing a big surprise, a big return. 
you know, I think this, I think this was very intentional to not do that, but it did feel like, at least for the men's one, it felt like it was missing something, you know, especially with the McAfee one, not really panning out to be anything. It definitely lacked a little bit of that flair. Like where was, like, I know Booker T still in solid shape. Why well, he, he couldn't come out and scissor kick somebody real quick. You know what I mean? And just get tossed out. So it definitely was missing a little bit of that, that flair factor. It did. Now Scott was, I'm not asking for him to come back though. not flair. I'm just saying the flair factor. I know, but respectfully, Sky, you're asking Booker T to come out. Did you see how he was walking down the ramp a couple of years ago? That man could barely walk. I'll take him. I'll take him getting drove up on a cart instead of what Pat McAfee did, <laughs> which was nothing. Oh, Pat, honey, just no. That was just a wasted spot. But yes, the rumble down the stretch, it was good but like the crowd was like kind of so so for it but i will say that gunther and drew mcintyre taking turns chopping the ever-loving hell out of cody and cm punk was a delight that was a great contest there as mcintyre gunther tried to be the alphas in this match but it wasn't meant to be as drew mcintyre was basically trying to tell cm punk hey kid i'm your leader now i'm not someone you push around i'm going to be the one to eliminate you and then cm punk ends up eliminating drew mcintyre and the stare down was great and then cody takes out gunther to play off what they did last year and the final two is cm punk and cody rhodes they had that great promo exchange this past monday on raw and cody and and cm punk had a nice back and forth battle the fans kind of got into it down the stretch but they was kind of cold for it. I think they wanted Cody to win. They liked CM Punk, but the reactions to me down the stretch was kind of weak, even though they did pop for the finish. Yeah, like I said, they they went for the Undertaker HBK moment at the end. They didn't quite get it. Um, I thought the the final four was was a solid final four. Um, I, I thought Gunther got eliminated a little unceremoniously. That was a little disappointing. Nothing really got set up from it because they're not going to do Cody versus Gunther. So nothing got set up from him. And I, I feel like Gunther being in that match, and especially him not winning, you easily could have set something up. But like we said, that probably would have been intended for, for Brock. And I say, whatever you had planned for Brock, just let Braun do. Mm-hmm. You, you just just let Braun do. If it was supposed to be a match with Gunther at WrestleMania, then God dag it, just give me Braun versus Gunther. At WrestleMania, we know the match is good because we've seen the match on NXT. So we we know the match will be good, and the match will be even better because it'll be on a bigger stage, uh, bigger stakes, and and a crowd that's going to be much more engaged and a louder and just a more raucous crowd. So I think whatever you had planned for Brock, you should have did with Braun because that's ex- that's ex- exactly what it seemed like the face off. Everything about it just seemed like that's what Brock would have did. Instead of Spears, you would have got Germans. Um, but, yeah, just people got taken out unceremoniously, and it was just kind of like, so that happened. There, I mean, they, Jimmy Jimmy Uso got eliminated just randomly. Jay, all the nothing, like, they didn't even eliminate each other, Jay or Jimmy. Why wouldn't you have one of them eliminate each other? Jimmy could definitely use the boost and eliminate Jay. Why wouldn't you have that happen? You know, just missed opportunities, no stories being told inside the Rumble as far as creating and setting things up. That used to be the whole point of the Royal Rumble was that everything you were going to see at WrestleMania was going to get set up at the Royal Rumble. I think 
I think back to Shawn Michaels and, and, and Kurt Angle and how Shawn eliminated Kurt, and that set off the path we had to having arguably one of the greatest matches in WrestleMania history in Shawn Michaels versus HBK. So I just missed that element of it. And and I, I just that's that's why this rumble was lacking for me. Yeah, I think the promos on TV did a great job building anticipation because you had so many stories going in. But for whatever reason, the stories were not told within the rumble themselves. And I've thought of countless instances of like, you know, stories being told to build up to matches for WrestleMania if someone doesn't win the Warrior Rumble. And I go back to Logan Paul the last couple of years, Ricochet and Seth Rollins was built from a rumble match right then and there. And here we go once again. And we don't see that being told in this Rumble match that you don't have a ready-made feud for a couple of people heading into the heart of WrestleMania season. And if the Brock spot was for Gunther, then let Braun handle that because he's comparable, he's capable, he's younger, he's ready, he's not problematic. So let's just give him that shot against Gunther. The history's there and they can deliver a great match on a big stage. They've done it before, but Gunther is better than he was a year or two ago. Braun Breaker has always been good. And for him to really hit his peak now in terms of I'm ready for this. He's not coasting. He's showcasing his speed and his power. And that is going to get him over on the main roster. And above all else, the personality is coming through as well. So if you can't do Brock, and I don't think they should use Brock Lesnar at all heading into WrestleMania season, then you do have Braun Breaker right there to be the guy to face Gunther. And it can be a very good to great match at WrestleMania. 100% Gunther's got a reputation at WrestleMania, and I think Braun's the guy to do it. If it's not going to be dragging off, I think Braun's the guy. As far as the Rumble, two and a half tiers for me. Ooh, ooh, that hurts because the final two was Cody Rhodes and CM Punk, and it was a nice battle, but just lacked that heat. As you said, it, they was trying to give HBK Undertaker from 2007 Mm-mm, did not come close at all. I liked the promos, but just the heat was lacking for me. But the fans popped for Cody winning the match. He is the first guy in 26 years to go back to back at a Warrior Rumble since Stone Cold Steve Austin did it back in 1999. And congrats to Cody. And he pointed at the WrestleMania sign, pointed at Roman Reigns directly, who was in the skybox and told him, I'm choosing you. No mystery is who he wants to finish his story against at WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia. And I am going to applaud WWE guests. The dangling carrot of The Rock is lovely, but you have committed to Cody Rhodes finishing his story for over a year. And I thought it would have been really messy for them to diverge from that path. Let him have this moment at WrestleMania 40. Already got people saying, I don't want to see the match. Like, listen, for storyline purposes, it needed to happen again. Cody was close last year. If you're going to use The Rock, use him as a special guest referee. Use him as an enforcer. Because as we said before, Roman does not need to be champion to face Roman to be in this head of the table battle on TV and at PLEs heading into the rest of this year. But all in all, Cody won the match. Happy for him. CM Punk will find his path to a main event by winning the Elimination Chamber, most likely. But yes, good finish. But the match, I'm going to tears. It was not the best Warrior Rumble I've seen. 
In fact, from three years ago at the Thunderdome, when nobody was there in terms of match layout and emotions, I felt that way more than what I got at the Rumble this year with people there for the first time since they've been back in that building. Yeah, it was a it was a rough one. Didn't end on a high note, but the least I could say that the crowd was invested in the CM Punk Cody thing, so they it did leave on a high note. I uh, I think it'll be very important to see what Cody does next, who his matches at Perth, you know what he does in the meantime. He's gonna need something in between time, so it's I am curious to see what he's gonna do there. Yes, before he starts traveling to SmackDown with regularity, heading into WrestleMania, but. This wraps up the Warrior Rumble 2024. I think we had a lot of excitement heading into the show, but I think the news of the week with Vince and this lawsuit and the depravity of the details definitely turned things on a sour note. And even heading into the show, I didn't feel as excited as I would be. And I felt like it was reflected by the presentation of the show. The luster was lost. The magic was dimmed. And I think the WWE has a lot of work to do to get ready for WrestleMania season, to get that fire and excitement back because you felt it on this show. It wasn't exactly a home run. You got the hits with Bailey and Cody winning, which is good. But the Royal Rumble is basically the marquee event outside of WrestleMania. The fans look forward to the most. And it did not feel like one of those special shows that left you feeling good when it was over. It left you feeling like, okay, this happened. What's next? Yeah, uh, the Raw after would be a very important show to kind of establish those other seeds. But they do still have the Elimination Chamber, which I think will uh, they have an opportunity to kind of right any wrongs that happened on this show. Yes. So, Scott, to wrap up the, this episode of The Wrap, what is your final score for the Royal Rumble on a scale from one to ten tiers? Five and a half tiers for me. Fair score. Five tiers even for me. Not the best Rumble. This is probably the weakest PLE that Paul Levesque has produced since taking the reins almost two years ago. And that is really saying something. This was not a great show at all. And I hope this was a learning experience in many ways because this was not it. This was a miss. He could talk about the gate. He could talk about the fans in the building, but in terms of, oh my God, what a rumble, missed. Yeah, and uh, he, he had some stuff. He, uh, well, I don't, I don't know how much control he had, but he had some stuff that happened. Um, you know what we know about Brock. You know he, he is who he is, but that they, they were definitely planning on that return, that reaction, that moment with Gunther. So there was stuff laid out that you know you weren't able to do, but you got to be able to adjust and, and call your audibles on the fly and, and make your moves and. The rumble just felt disjointed at times, and you could you could tell that they had to rip up a couple pages in their script and just freeball it. But it is what it is, you know. We'll see what they do in the next one. Yes, which is the Elimination Chamber in Perth, Australia, early in the morning in the U.S. 5 a.m. Will we be up for that? I don't know. We'll no, see about no. it. No, <laughs> I'll, I'll watch it when I get up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm probably the same as well. But yeah, we'll, we'll cover it next month right here on the Fike Media Network. But we'll be back next Monday morning, our regular day, 
discussing the week that was in WWE across Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. As a road to WrestleMania begins officially, as always, I want to thank my co-captain, Softy Scott Young, for joining me today to recap the Royal Rumble and discuss the very, very seedy lawsuit against Vince McMahon. Thank you for having me. As always, it's a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE. And I look forward to seeing what the next week brings us. Absolutely. Hopefully better things. But this was a week that I'm not (laughs) going to forget anytime soon. And I'm not going to forget how certain answers were not answered in that case. So with that... Here's to better days ahead as we head into the heart of WrestleMania season. We'll be back next Monday with a brand new wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. Until then, enjoy the week ahead. If you're watching for myself and for Perky Scott Young, that is a wrap for all things WWE and the Warrior Rumble 2024. Take care and bye-bye.